I really wish somebody would write an app called Nosy Bitch that would give access to everyday people like you and me the same personal info social media app still from us every day and sell to third party uh, buyers, you know, like insurance companies and that. Maybe, maybe then people would get off their asses and be a little bit more concerned about their complete and utter lack of privacy. This is the Unstoppable Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Unstoppa. We're being sold on this idea of uh, contact tracing. Well, we are being sold, but people are being sold, and some people are being force-fed. Apple uh, phone users today got a notification, at least ones in Canada did, that they are being uh, added to uh, contact tracing permissions, whether they like it or not. Now, this is all in the name of fighting the horrible COVID-19 pandemic that is chewing up and munching lungs all over the planet. Um, But there is a darker, more nefarious side of this entire endeavor. And I can give you an example of how this could be used against you. Say you want to attend a protest. Well, they have everybody's um, ID on their phone, right? So if... And everybody goes everywhere with their phone. Like most people will go to a protest with their phone. If you're smart, you'll just leave it at home. And then maybe those COVID-19 masks might do you some good. Um, Maintaining some anonymity because they're sure as shit not going to help you against an airborne virus. Because the CDC today has come out, or maybe it was the other day, it said that, you know, it doesn't actually transfer that easily from surfaces and perhaps probably because those were all tested in laboratory conditions and not in the real world you know where there's things like ultraviolet light variable temperatures variable humidity blah 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 right lots of lots of lots of variables so you're there with your buddy your your fellow antifa um cohort and you're protesting the man the big dt the horrible fascist trump and then One of your friends brought his phone, and their friend brought their phone, and their friend brought their phone. Well, guess what? Now all your phones have linked up to each other through this Bluetooth, this contact tracing, which you don't have permission to turn on or off. It does it all by itself. And now all those masks no longer offer you any anonymity. Everything that you've done has now been recorded and traced. They can actually put you within a few feet of any instance that you actually uh, were near, right? Any Anybody that you're there, you're within a few feet of whatever sort of event took place or other people, you know, guilt by association then. And, and, you know, other countries don't have as much rights as what we do, so this is really bad news for them. Um, I'm pretty sure the people in Hong Kong are about to get righteously screwed the fuck over with this, as if they hadn't already been enough, but now it's going to spread to all the Apple phone users all over the world, I'm pretty sure, before long. Because this is the whole idea behind what uh, some people refer to as shadow text, where there are uh, operation systems and um, modes and policies in place behind the scenes that are not available to the public. And they're like the KFC secret recipe. Nobody gets to see them except for the people on the inside, the higher-ups. They decide who gets to be where and when or gets to read it and privy to that information. And they build their entire empire around that. And it's uh, it's 
pretty horrifying when you think about the implications of this. It kind of makes Silicon Valley probably the most political, powerful political uh, location on Earth because they can completely manipulate the entire world around them through the control of information, the dissemination of information through social media apps like Facebook or uh, Twitter or Instagram, which all use a lot of um, social, I'm sorry, a lot of these uh, third-party informations, uh, third-party data that they sell, right? But they also throttle content and decide who gets to see what news articles and they get to make sure that all those news articles are congruent with each other. They decide what actually is real news and what is fake news. So that, that not to say that there wasn't some problems with fake news in the past and the problem is now though is that you have this technocracy deciding what is actually going to be allowed to exist and who's going to get to do what and what agendas are going to be uh, fulfilled and completed. Um, you know, so you could think about them manipulating elections this way. Uh, in 2010, they generated an extra 340,000 votes in specific areas where they released the I voted button. And you know, this, this could be implemented all over. And I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm not that gullible to be that socially motivated. Well, you kind of are because people, as a rule don't like to fight amongst their friends and if their friends are doing it there's social pressure there's social pressure everywhere it, it's completely ridiculous to think that you're immune to any sort of social pressure whatsoever unless you're a sociopath or a psychopath and then you're not a significant voting population to be really worried about you know affecting anything anyway so no one's targeting you sociopath you crazy killer motherfucker you know go go pull the wings off a fly you freak um, but for the rest of us, you know, who are interested in the greater good of our freedoms and, uh, and, and our fellow humans, right? Not just like the collective good, not this hive mind mentality where, you know, there's everybody just falls in line and does, I guess, basically what the Chinese Communist Party would really like to see happen. But those of us who are interested in, you know, a little bit of individuality, the things that help breed in great ideas and arts and uh, music, you know, all, all the things that make life and media actually enjoyable and doesn't leave us as these automaton working bots that just do whatever the hell the Grandmaster tells us to do in the name of uh, Oh Glorious One. Um, so they can adjust who sees what news and what sort of feedback to what news based on who your friends are. Now, maybe this is one of those times where it's actually a good idea to live in an echo chamber, you know, where all your friends are always on the same page because they're always getting their sources from somewhere outside. You're like, so this, this is where like actually conservatives will have an edge, I think, in the longer run because they're not so uh, subject to what's called habituation. You know, they're not easily swayed from what they've always held dear just by social pressure other than their own immediate social pressures but how are you going to get these people to abandon uh, their 
their norms. And, and again, this is back to where like religion kind of has an advantage because they have a rigid moral foundation and it's written in an outside text. You know, it's an outside text. It doesn't exist solely on the web. It's ancient. It's predicated. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be a lot of hard work to rewrite that into your Facebook structure and get people to move outside that. But it does happen. It, it, it absolutely happens. I mean, this is how things like divorce became so commonplace and, you know, eating shellfish and ham. Um, all those things are against, you know, your Abrahamic uh, religions, but they still happen because it became common enough as things changed and people um, advanced and medicine advanced, right? And we started to learn that uh, not just medicine, but our, our technology and our understanding of pathogens uh, changed. You know, we, we realized that, hey, you know, it, it's not necessarily the pigs that are so bad for you, but the uh, trichinosis that they carry, you know, the salmonella that they carry, and you get that from not cooking it well enough. You don't get it just because they're filthy animals. I mean, they're filthy animals, but you get it because of undercooked meat. And then the same thing with, uh, you know, the, the shellfish. It's the same story with that. You got to eat the right ones at the right time of year, and you got to cook them the right way. So it's not that, you know, there's some sort of spiritual evil that exists within the tissue of the animal, but instead there is you know, a microbial or a chemical toxin present that, you know, is easily avoided with a little bit of knowledge. And so as as we move forward, um, you know, it, it's totally possible that eventually uh, everything will move entirely online and these tech companies like Google will continue to control the flow of information and who sees what. Because, you know, they, they're, they're in charge of who gets to go to the top of your search whenever you type something into Google boom in zero point whatever fucking seconds you got a search result and it's exactly the one that first somebody paid to show you and second what they want what Google wants you to see based probably on who got who paid the most right and then who paid second most and so your information is no longer uh, based and fed to you on what is the most accurate, reliable, and trustworthy, but the highest bidder. And so that creates a whole list of problems, an entire matrix of, of issues, especially when you start getting into the political realm. You know, obviously your mainstream media is right now still swing the biggest political uh, dick that there is as far as news goes. Um, but that doesn't mean that they can't be later usurped by other companies or, you know, lesser informed ones. And who's to say that they're even right? Hopefully nobody says that they're always right because that's just uh, false. They always come up wrong. Not entirely wrong all the time, but, you know, they always rush to be the first one with the freshest story, the cutting news, you know, the this just in update, you know, 10,000 dead of COVID-19 in 36 seconds. Wait, no, not 10,000 dead in 36 seconds. Oh, it's over 30, 36 years. Um, okay, well, sorry. Oh, what well, was 30 seconds to air? We better run with the story. Just air it. We'll correct it later. We can issue a retraction. Just get it out there. Get those clicks. Get those uh, views coming in. We got to get those ratings up, right? Because that's all they're doing. They're selling you commercials. They're just selling you one commercial after another, 
And so whatever they can get the most uh, the most reaction from is what they're gonna run with. And then they can always run a little sidebar under the bottom later to uh, you know correct it. So if it seems like I've been droning on about this the last uh, couple episodes, or at least kind of kept bringing it up, it's because I just finished a book called uh, Surveillance Capitalism, and it's by a lady named Soshana Zuboff. And uh, actually, it's the audio book, but it's a 23-hour monologue detailing the systematic habituation and implementation of subversion of our right to privacy and details the plethora of mechanisms and case examples of its misuses that are being committed against us every single day by our favorite freaking apps and uh you know our favorite even even built into the windows updates itself it's it's insane and uh we we just keep tolerating it uh because the access to the web is such a addictive drug i mean for all of us it's it's a drug of knowledge it's a drug of you know this is a social interaction you got to get those clicks, those little dopamine hits, and it's built all around that. that. Facebook is definitely built around that, and so is Twitter, and so is Instagram. It's all big old ego feeding thing that uh, offers you a sense of self-worth, especially in a time of uh, social distancing and quarantine when you can't get it anywhere else. And like, man, this is great news for them. No wonder they don't want the quarantines in. And, and you know, maybe there's uh, a lot of real good scientific data from the WHO and the CDC to, to back this up, but to think that none of this is being politically manipulated or aggrandized um, is pretty fucking naive if you ask me. But I wouldn't trust me. I mean, Americans are built on you know political distrust, so that's that's kind of my nature of psychology here is or political psychology is that you know I'm pretty distrusting and disagreeable and uh, overall uh, a dick. Ask my friends, um, <laughs> both of them. Well, I'm just kidding. I was a dick to them too, so I don't have any. So this is why I'm talking to you, and this is why you're listening to me because you probably don't have any friends either. I hope you have lots of friends, and you tell your friends about this podcast and um, what a dick I am, and that they should you know probably click like and subscribe on it uh but seriously on that side like just think of the wealth of phone calls and facetime uh data that they're that they're collecting right now all your voices being cataloged and it's it was already happening through your phone anyway so you know i I hate to pick on facebook so much but you know your your samsung phones are doing it your iphones are doing it every phone is doing it because it's the new social norm uh you know and then Moving, moving on from that, you know, back to the whole COVID thing itself, is you, nobody thinks about is like the the other people, right? Like everybody says, you know, oh, you don't want to wear a mask. You're going, stay home. You're you're costing people lives. You're sacrificing your grandma. Well, what about all the people with uh, depression who, you know, they they need that social interaction. They need somebody to check on them. They, it's not good enough. Uh, you know, this is why we put prisoners in solitary confinement because it is a horrible punishment well all these people who suffer from depression and are single and you know you're offering them up for a sacrifice because you want to save your grandma maybe that's the narrative that we should spin here but that's equally fucking preposterous asinine and a dick move so i'm not going to make that suggestion you asshole um 
instead I'm just going to appeal to your sense of reason and say, hey, you know, not everybody is suffering the same way and it's none of your fucking business how they go about mitigating that, that suffering, right? It's none of it. It's none of it's your business. Like, yeah, there's a risk involved with them doing it and there's a risk to them involved with you wanting them not to do it. So this is the whole beauty of freedom and equal and valuing each other as equals because that's really what we want we want everybody to be equal and we want to have an egalitarian society where people can make the best decision for them personally that does not disproportionately affect others around them negatively that is really kind of the instantiation of a moral principle within our society and even our biology right uh, because people always have a sense of fairness. Nobody wants to be hungry and watch somebody else eat more. Whereas nobody wants to have something taken from them after they worked for it and have it, somebody who's just bigger and stronger take it away or group up and take it away from them You know, through strength in numbers. It, it, it's pretty simple and you can go all the way back and make all kinds of caveman analogies or even monkey group analogies or what do they call monkeys or troops yeah a troop of monkeys a murder of crows a pot of whale a pride of lions um, I can't think of there's some other really weird plurals of animals or groups of animals yeah plurals plurals of animals uh, either way troops of monkeys right so you think about it uh, I think Jordan Peterson kind of explained that where he says, that, you know, it's not the biggest, baddest, meanest monkey. It's the one that makes the most friends in the group that, that ends up rising to be the, uh, the real leader among them because the biggest, meanest, baddest one is still no match for two monkeys, right? The, the one that gets his ass kicked all the time will go over and groom the one that, you know, also gets his ass kicked all the time. And they'll realize like, hey, you know what? There's no reason that we shouldn't have enough to eat too. Let's eat that motherfucker. And, no, they probably don't eat him, but they tear him apart, and it's, you know, really brutal and savage, and, you know, Planet of the Apes. Really cool shit. Planet of the Apes goes down right there in the jungle all the time, just like that. Which kind of makes you wonder what those monkeys are thinking, or those chimpanzees, those apes, um, are, are, are going through their heads when they're, you know, ripping apart their, uh, former tribesmen or, uh, troopsmen. Uh, at probably something like, you know, I hate you, I'm going to kill you, I'm very angry, right? Just probably just a pure emotional uh, angergasm, if you will. Uh, <laughs> and, but it's it just kind of curious because, you know, they're they're so close to people, you know, like some of them are making tools. There's that orangutan that was fishing with a spear. He watched other ones do it, watched uh, human fishermen do it. And, and then, you know, they're, they're building little tools to probe holes for uh, bugs and, you know, knock down fruit and dig around in tree branches or, you know, holes in trees for other little larvae and, and such. And it just kind of makes you wonder, you know, how, how much different our minds are from theirs and or all the other animals. Like, do other animals think like we do? Or are they just, you know, a set of emotions? You know, they don't... And, and like, that's something that always bugs me, too, is people say, well, the animals don't feel anything. Well, I think it's really kind of the opposite. I think they... Or the animals don't think anything and all they do is feel. 
mean, they're just a, a set of impulses that react to stimulus in a specific given way, and that stimulus or that reaction is interpreted through the brain in a form of uh, chemical release and not a rational, cognizant thought, right? That, that makes more sense to me than uh, believing that there's absolutely zero feeling and that it's all just some sort of motor reaction. Maybe, maybe by that they mean ours, the animals are incapable of remembering one motion to the emotion, one feeling to the next, and therefore have no record of it. And you know, I, I guess there was like this old uh, saying. I think that a goldfish swims around the bowl because he forgets every 30 seconds everything he always knew. That by the time he swam back to the beginning of the bowl. He'd forgotten that he'd ever been there. Something like that. you know. So that way when he's hungry, he's always been hungry. And that's all he's ever known is what it feels like to be hungry. And that's been his entire existence. And I, I don't... I think that's been proven false. I think somebody actually trained a goldfish. Um, you Because know, they know what time it is to eat. Or maybe they just react to the person walking into the room. You know, they see the person walking into the room. But fish, they, they know what time it is to eat. Because that's why they... There's good times for fishing, right? That's why you go fishing, you know, when it's sunny or when the sun's coming up or when the sun's going down. Don't ask me. I'm a horrible fisherman. I like to go out there and chuck lures, but I wish I knew something about catching fish. Um, pull on it and turn the reel real fast. I don't know. I should watch more fishing shows and just shut up about things I'm not good at. Uh, but, you know, so it's kind of like makes me wonder if maybe uh, going back to the ancestor simulation, maybe maybe the uh, the animals are just the NPCs, they're the non-playable characters of the ancestor simulation, or that, you know, it, it's all, they still exist in the same way, and there's still just other sensors, cameras out there collecting data for the uh, ancestor hive mind of the whole uh, operation, whatever the hell it is. You know, I'm not saying that I actually believe that this is what's going on, but you know, it's it's really intriguing concept to me to think that everything that we do, being that everything that we are, everything that we touch, feel, taste, see, and hear are just electrical impulses interpreted by this big pink slug living inside of a bone cage at the top of our spindly ass neck. And that's what we are. We are those electrical impulses, and those weird-ass animals are the same thing. You know, they're just a little slug of their own in a little bone cage, or uh, you know, yeah, or, you know, exoskeleton cage, whatever. Uh, if you're a arthropod or uh, you know, invertebrate, unless you're a slug, then you're a real lower life form, and you know, you're gross, and I don't want to touch you. But all the other animals are pretty neat. Um, but it kind of, you know. Maybe some of the people among us are NPCs too. You know, maybe that's why they're really dumb and they don't learn anything. And we think that, oh, this person is so frustrating, and that they were just written into the program to give you shit, make your life difficult, and then you know the uh, the the programmers, the uh, the players, whatever they are, uh, running the whole thing are just watching and giggling and writing down and taking notes. And that would be the. Uh, but I think it would be like more of a single collective computer you know like a single AI that's kind of running the strings of the whole thing and like that would be you know a single point a condensed knowledge right the, the coalescing of all the knowable experiences on earth through time or through the simulation through all time of the simulation to a single 
entity. And I guess for all intents and purposes, that entity would be God. And the real God would be the one that programmed that entity, unless it was another AI that programmed it. And it's just like a continually uh, upgraded version of itself, right? But then, you know, that would kind of explain why there's a, that, that, that maybe this is um, some sort of beta sim. And that's really the, uh, the, the purpose behind all the, the media surveillance, all the, you know, the, the media, the uh, machine surveillance that we're exposed to all the time through our media, uh, our, our phones, and all of that is just to collect data enough to make a better simulation, one that doesn't suck as much and isn't so inaccurate and unreliable and full of shit like COVID-19. And, uh, you know, that's why there's these uh, NPCs like uh, Bezos and Zuckerberg and Gates and uh, I don't remember the, the CEO of Google, right, that are just these machine-like personalities that are relentlessly driven to collect and expand their empire and build on it. You know, they, they never stop. Like Steve Jobs, you know, just a complete workaholic, fanatic, um, you know, brilliant, brilliant person. Like maybe that's also why they're, they're so good at it too. It's not just because they're, they're perseverance at it, but they're written into it. They are, they're like the agents of the matrix. Oh, they're holding all the doors and guarding all the keys. Where the fuck is our Neo at? Where's he at? Come on, get up there and kick some, uh, kick some Amazon ass and bring us back around to a place where, you know, we've got a little privacy and I can rub one off to Pornhub without the NSA looking at me and my Cheeto knuckles in my underwear while I'm squeezing one out. I, I want to get back to that point. You know, I'm tired of the fact that, you know, my insurance company can go and purchase all my uh, driving records and places that I go and where I've been and who I was there with and how long I was there and create a uh, detailed profile of me as a risk pool and as an individual. But they're still going to apply it widely, right? Because that's the whole idea behind shadow text is that they don't want you to know what they know and who decides what they know. It's a hell of a thing. And this is why we need this nosy bitch app. So that way, you know, when they start pulling up all this stuff, we can just start blasting them out there. We can make us a nosy bitch book and start putting up all the CEOs out there, all the uh, the insurance agents, the adjusters, and start telling them about what kind of porn they like to watch and, you know, who they're dating, who they're fucking around on their wives with, and, you know, just put them on blast and bring it all back in until they all agree to tear the whole fucking thing down. And I think that's what we need to make happen. It really makes me uh, kind of wonder you know, what kind of effect this is going to have on our kids, knowing that from adolescence their entire digital life has been strip-searched and paraded around for the highest bidder and the lowest bidder... Um, and they're just going to be comfortable with that idea. Maybe it's just going to make them absolute freaks with no regard for privacy, and they're all going to grow up to be really weird, creepy nudists on nudist beach, you know, with their weird, creepy nudist orgies. I'm pretty sure that's what nudists do. Like, I don't know any nudist, but I imagine that's like really the whole deep down root of it is just to get naked and bang your neighbor's wife. Uh, but, you know, back back to the the kids and like this whole weird kind of future they're going to grow up in like what they're going through right now with the whole uh, pandemic thing you know it's kind of like a cold war for them like you know they can't see it 
they know it's there. I guess some of them do. Some of them do, right? Some of them have like sick parents and you know grandparents that are dying. So it's like not even a cold war. It's a real war right in front of them where they're seeing this go down. But for so many of us, so damn many of us, because it's really such a minute portion of the world's population that are that are actually sick and related to somebody who is sick that for the vast majority of these kids like this is some sort of foreign war on foreign soil that you know might come home so i guess maybe it's closer to like the cuban missile crisis well yeah yeah the cold war right it's like the cold war it was all about to go down and it could be at their doorstep at any second but right now it's just a boogeyman that's hiding in a distant shadow and you know, for the same intents and purposes, though, it's every bit an existential threat to them, uh, or at least to their well psychological well-being. And, you know, speaking of, of kids and like how this whole thing got so weird um, for the kids is you know, I, I teach my son uh, boxing, you know, and martial arts out in the garage. We got mats and a whole gym set up out there, right? And so, you know, it's hot, so we open the door, and so we're out there training all the time, and his little buddies come by, you know, back when things, before there was quarantine. And so, you know, yeah, I teach a couple of them, you know, how, how to box a little bit. It'd be good for my son to, you know, have somebody to hold pads with and, you know, train, right? A little bit of a camaraderie there. And so anyhow, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks, I hadn't really let him go out and play with anybody. And uh, one of the kids comes knocking on the door and I'm like, hey man, you know, uh, you know, boy can't play. You know, and he's like, oh, I'm not here to see him. I'm like, well, who are you here to see? And I'm telling my sister about this on the phone, you know, and that's kind of what I was going to recap here. So I'm telling my sister about this whole trans uh, conversation on the phone. And that this boy, this friend of my son's comes up. He's like, well, I'm not here to see him. I need to talk to you. I'm like, well, what do you need from me? He's like, there's a bully who moved in down the street from me. And now he's always picking on me. And he's, you know, just being rude and cussing at me. And, you know, the whole bully story. And he's like, you know, I need some help. And I'm like, well, you know. So I give him some, some advice on, you know, uh, dealing with the bully and, and, you know, some de-escalation. And, you know, just kind of remind him, like, you know, this kid's way fatter than you and probably slower and so you know use your speed and distance if your words don't work and you know just do what you got to do and so my sister you know hometown she's like bro you didn't go down there and help him i'm like what am i supposed to do it's like 10 and 11 year old kids i'm gonna roll up in my truck cartwheel out of it with my ninja covid mask spin kick the little fucker in the face drop a card on the ground you have been unstoppable kicked fucking cartwheel back into the truck and drive off like the masked fucking ranger <laughs> i mean god i feel so bad for the kid and i'd like to be able to you know like hey man you know let me let me give you a couple of little pointers a quick you know short lesson you know let's work on your slips and your ducks and your counter punching and, and you know i didn't really feel comfortable doing that because I'm still having to go out and travel and meet a bunch of people uh, for my regular day job and, you know, shaking a lot of hands or not shaking hands, totally social distancing. I'm not shaking hands because I'm a good little robot and I am following the orders of the collective hive mind. All hell Zuckerberg. Goodbye.